0: Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL radio. Baltimore sports and life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board like BSL on Facebook and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the bank. Um, We're here for episode 11. I'm Jordan Coe. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. Um, I'm at BSL Jordan Coe. He's at at Gabe Fergie on Twitter. Um, Feel free to check us out at baltimoresportsandlife.com. We both write articles there. We're both active on the forum. Uh, We'd love to hear from you guys, and uh, we'd love for you to be involved in the conversation. Um, You know, last week we were, Gabe, talking a little bit about the offense and getting into kind of what the numbers were going to be like, look like. And I think we both expect pretty historic things from the offense next year um, that are in line or maybe even a little bit better from the way we were talking about them for our expectations for the offense. But, um, you know, I think the defense is really interesting. You know, when you and I were talking about what we wanted to do on this podcast, when we were talking about the offense, it was really clear, you know, most of the parts are the same, Marshall Yanda being the big one thing that the Ravens are losing on offense, but by and large, the rest of it's intact. And it made it a little bit easier to talk about what that projection was going to look like. Um, defense, I think that's not so easy. You know, you had suggested we take a look at snap counts and what those things are going to look like. You know, I had talked a little bit about some of those personnel packages. Um, you know, I, I think we should start out before we get into some of these over unders on, you know, what is the defense going to look like next year? especially compared to last year.
1: So, yeah, I'm actually writing uh, an article now about kind of how the Ravens have changed their defense from last year to going to 2020. And particularly the front seven, essentially the secondary is going to be the same for all intents and purposes. But there are a lot of changes that were made up front. Um, So we're interested in looking at different personnel packages in, in particular and seeing you know, how are the defensive linemen going to play together? What, how are they going to be packaged together? Um, which linebackers are going to be on the field together, both inside linebackers and outside linebackers. Last year, the Ravens played a ton of dime defense. Um, and that was, I think, partially due to the fact that the linebackers were a little lacking, um, both in their ability um, and in number. <laughs> there weren't, there wasn't, it wasn't a very deep unit. Um, so, the Ravens kind of supplemented that by using, you know, a lot of like three safeties a lot. So how is that going to uh, look going ahead in 2020? The Ravens did draft two linebackers and they uh, signed another linebacker while letting some of their other linebackers go. So there's a lot of turnover. I think that we'll see more linebackers on the field um, in this, in the season. Um, I think Patrick Queen's going to be on the field a lot. I think, um, you know, I think we'll still see a little bit of LJ Fort and you know i think we're probably going to see a whole mix of different um guys used together so uh what do you think what do you think jordan
0: yeah you know it's really interesting to me about you know in particular you're talking about the inside linebackers and the ravens basically drafted two guys that are you know starting caliber types in terms of make in model so to speak um before you kind of insert them into the defense but what i'm really interested to see is harbaugh really doesn't like to start rookies like o- honestly he's only the last time i can remember you know those things happening are when he's either forced to because of injury or when they really stand out at camp um and who knows what's going to happen with camp this year um and what that's going to look like and i think to me, that's a really interesting dynamic to see how they're going to how the roles are going to parse out, because there's an opportunity for Queen, for um, Malik Harrison and for Matavuke all to have really significant. And, you know, the, the first two of those three significant, significant roles um, and Matavuke to take on, you know, a good chunk of snaps on the defensive line. And are, is he going to let that happen, especially if he, he can't trust them? You know, Harbaugh seems like a trust guy. Um, he lets people once he knows they fit, do their thing.
1: Well, the last time the Ravens drafted a linebacker in the first round, when Harbaugh was coach, that was CJ Mosley. And he was a day one starter. Essentially. Um, I think we'll see the same thing from Patrick queen, especially because the Ravens are pretty thin there. Like you mentioned, uh, there's Harrison really the only reliable veteran that you have. That's familiar with this system. That's had significant snaps is LJ Fort. And he was, kind of a package player last year for the Ravens, So I think he's probably going to have a similar role moving forward in 2020. He played a lot of special teams. I think he's going to excel there again. Um, but, you know, he was, he was more of a kind of the sub package um, linebacker. He played very well, I thought, as kind of the will backer. He was good in coverage. He can blitz pretty well. I think he's going to be that guy um, playing on the, the kind of like the weak side role. I think Harrison is more of a, you know, kind of a natural middle linebacker, a strong side linebacker. So I think he'll be in there on the early downs with Queen playing kind of like the will to his mic. Um, That's at least how I see it. And then when we have the sub packages, it's going to be interesting because in the past, the green dot, you know, the communication helmet has always been on the the mic linebacker. That was EJ Mosley, you know, Ray Lewis before him. Um, That trans transferred to the secondary, um, starting season before last in 2018, when CJ Mosley got hurt, um, Eric Weddle received the dot, um, and he kept it for the rest of the season last year. It got passed to, uh, Tony Jefferson before he got hurt. And then it got passed to Chuck Clark. So it's kind of been kept in the secondary players who are in there for every single snap. So that suggests maybe that's going to continue that way. And we'll still see a rotation of linebackers to some extent. Um, and none of them necessarily have to be on the field for every play because they don't necessarily have to have the green dot. That's something that would be interesting to monitor. Um, I think Queen will probably be the player who's out there the most. I mean, we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum, how good he is in coverage. It's kind of the reason why I think the Ravens drafted him early. Um, he's just a, a three-down linebacker. It doesn't necessarily mean he has to be out there for every down, but we'll see how that plays out, of course.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that's interesting is also Tav- Tavon Young's emergence. Um, I think he can. He was. I found him to be effective in run support, even though he was a smaller guy. He was a physical guy. Um, he could. He could kind of successfully be there, successfully be out there on second downs. Um, and then kind of adding to that is just like the diversity of weapons that. Um, it feels like Wink is going to have from a pass rushing perspective too. They're going to. You won't need as many outside linebackers on the field necessarily if he doesn't want to. Um. And I'm just really interested to see whether or not he just deploys all kinds of crazy packages and that like the Ravens, instead of going, instead of going away, like, you know, I think they were a little less traditional when you talk about the dime and some of like the the big nickel and some of the packages they ran last year. Uh, I, I'm interested to see whether that the scale pushes him farther in that direction. Right. Like, are we going to see some drives where it's all defensive linemen and only a couple outside linebackers and like they're going to get rest and the Ravens are going to show a heavy four, three, like weak side linebacker, Adam Harrison and queen in the middle kind of look just to get everybody rested. And then on the next drive, you're going to see race car packages and nickel. And then the next drive you're going to see big nickel. And then the next drive, you're going to see something completely different. Um, You know, I think the Ravens have have a, a really potent ability to mix and match. And I think wink has, a really strong desire to mix and match to be.
1: Yeah, with. I completely agree. I think one of the hallmarks of this this Ravens defensive roster, um, looking at the 2020 season, is the versatility. Um, and, th- and that kind of translates across different positions. You have defensive linemen. You can line up in all kinds of different uh, alignments, defensive end, defensive tackle. Then you have linebackers that can rush, that can drop into coverage, um, both from the outside linebacker and in semi-linebacker positions. You have safeties who can come down and play in the box. So there's so many endless possibilities. Um, it's really going fascinating to see. Um, you know, traditionally, um, I, I mean, not traditionally, but the Ravens the past few seasons at least have, have put, had nickel as kind of their base package. But there's a lot of different variations of the nickel package. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that evolves with this new personnel because you can have three safeties in two corners or you can have you know, two safeties, three corners. Um, and that's assuming you having two linebackers on the field, but you could also have one linebacker on the field and have two outside linebackers and three defensive linemen, you know, there's like a three, three, five. That's something that we saw a little bit last year. You might see it more because the defensive linemen are, are more talented this season. So, um, it's really going to be interesting to see, like you said, how, how everything is mixed and matched. And I, I don't know. I'm excited just to, to see how it's deployed. There's so many, so much talent on the defense. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: If I, if I could, y- you have to bear through this because we watch a lot of these games together. Um, but if I could have one wish for the defense next year, it's that Earl Thomas would rush the passer <laughs> less and be standing at the line of scrimmage less. I think it takes away your most effective weapon in the secondary. And And I'm working on an article right now about Earl Thomas and was he effective or wasn't he last year? Um, and and, you know, people criticizing, you know, his interception numbers and his impact in the passing game. And I think a lot of what negated his ability to do his thing was the fact that in many opportunities of passing situations, the Ravens rushed him and took their best center fielder out of center field. Um, and so I'm hoping that changes a little bit this upcoming year, but, but we'll see. Yeah, (laughs) that's,
1: that's kind of been a hallmark of, of the Ravens defense and you're heading or going back even to like when Dean Pease was a defensive coordinator, he liked to kind of have interchangeable safeties. And I think in a lot of ways, Martindale's used the same kind of approach with the safeties because that allows you to be a little bit more creative and allows you to disguise a little bit more. So the, the, the quarterback and the offense doesn't necessarily know what you're doing with your players. When you can say here, I'm going to have Chuck Clark in the box here. I'm going to have Earl Thomas in the box. One of them is going to drop. One of them is going to rush. Maybe they both drop. Maybe they both rush. That kind of thing is also part of the versatility of the Ravens secondary. Um, I know that you are kind of taking your best player, Earl Thomas, in terms of the secondary, your safety, and having him in a position where he may not be as effective. But the kind of ability to, you know, hide and make the quarterback guess um, and, and kind of like not have him comfortable, I think has value.
0: Well, this is going to get added to my article now because you've inspired me to do the research, but I have to believe that Ed Reeds, at the same age year as Earl Thomas, blitzed the passer, I don't know, 80% less than Earl Thomas blitzed last year. Whether he was in the box or not, um, he was not rushing the passer nearly as much as Earl Thomas was last year. I mean, it was 10, 12, 15 times a game that Earl Thomas was on a a pure blitz. I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, We'll find I'm gonna look at the I'm gonna look at the exact numbers, but it was at least eight times a game, I bet on average that Earl
1: Thomas was blitzing.
0: And I think it was I would probably say more. it was
1: probably closer to four or five.
0: Yeah, I think it was more than that. So we'll so I'll take a closer look at what those numbers were. But I, I still think he was at his least effective in those roles, and I'm interested to to kind of see where that goes this upcoming year. But I think that leads nicely into kind of our initial over-unders and you know, the first one right off the bat for us to take a look at is um, interceptions and sacks, you know, the Ravens had 13 interceptions and 37 sacks last year. Um, you know, do you think they're going
1: to have more or less of either one of those? I think they'll have both increased this co- upcoming season. And I think it all stems from the defensive talent they have up front, because when you get more pressure, it leads to more mistakes from the quarterback who leads to more interceptions. So I would expect sacks probably I don't know if 10 more, I would say probably in 45 range. If you put the over under at 45, I would say over. I think that with the amount of defensive line talent they brought in, they can definitely hit that number interceptions. It's a little more hit or miss. It's kind of, uh, you know, a noisy stat. Um, it's a lot of kind of chance and luck that goes into it, but I would still say probably more, um, I was looking at the, stats from last season, the teams that that led the league was the Patriots. They had 25 interceptions, which is insane. Um, I think they'll probably, the Ravens, I mean, come in maybe a little under 20. Um, 18, I think is a reasonable expectation for like an interception number. It's a little over one per game.
0: That feels high to me. Um, you know, I think 13 a lot or it seems like a lot. I mean, I, most teams, I'm guessing, even at the elite level, aren't intercepting one a game. But I'd have to dig deeper into that stat as well. Um, I think interceptions are going to be right in the same ballpark as they were last year. Um, but I think ultimately sacks are going to be way up. Um, you know what? I think the interesting question to me is, one, can they generate the sacks without blitzing? Um, and if they can, then I think that's when you see those interception numbers really rise. Um, and part of that is my, you know, my pet project of seeing Earl Thomas in the back, you know, back in, in center field all the time. I think that leads to way more interceptions, but I think even more so than that, you're getting, you know, if you can get pressure with four guys or five guys regularly, then you get cover two shells. You get, you know, you get to kind of isolate that you get to let guys like Marlon Humphrey play more aggressive underneath. Um, and know that they have that protection over the top. Um, you know, I think the one X factor to seeing more interceptions is also, you know, we heard this from Earl Thomas so in the first five, five or six weeks of the season last year, which was he was saying, guys, you got to trust me. Um, he, You know, and he was telling the same thing to Jefferson and his linebackers. He's like, look, you got to if there's a guy that you need to release into my zone, you got to know that I'm going to pick him up and that I can make that coverage um, and that I can lock him up. Um, and so I think that there's an interesting question of whether there's more cohesion and more continuity or continuity is not the right word, but more communication at the secondary level to let some of those things happen. Um, And I think Tavon Young playing more snaps might be influential in that, but I also think Tavon Young was, he was a fantastic ball hawk from the slot perspective. Um, So I think, I think that's a plus up there as well. You're talking about a plus up from, from queen. So I can see why you think it's going to be more. I think it's just, uh, I think it's a little bit more of a crapshoot to see more. It'll depend on kind of the Ravens have a lot of decent quarterbacks on their schedule. And as you said, luck plays a part, um, but sacks are going to go up. I I mean, you can't, I I can't believe for a second that we're not going to see Calais Campbell rushing from one side, um, and Judon from the other, not, or together and stunting, not leading to more sacks this upcoming year.
1: Okay. So I have two questions for you. The first, um, gets back to one of the things you mentioned with having the percentage of four man rushes. Um, maybe being higher. So last year, the Ravens rushed the passer. I think it was somewhere around 50% of the time with the blitz. So this was like bringing an extra defender. I think it was, I think it ended up being around 52% of the time. I don't have those exact stats in front of me, but it was very high. This is, I mean, an, actually an absurdly high number. I don't know historically where it stands, but it's probably, I would imagine, in like some of the upper echelons of seasons in terms of the blitz percentage. Um, I don't think it's going to be as high if, if I said over, under 40% bringing extra man, what do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, that isn't that, isn't that the golden question, you know? And and I think what's interesting is the Ravens have the ability to, to be more variable in terms of that. But I think, um, geez, I, I, if I had to guess based on what I've seen from wink, I'd say over 40% for sure um that he wouldn't shy away for bringing it but you know if it was my call and, and it was how I was going to run the defense then I would I would be rushing fewer um and I'd be rushing four more often I mean I think uh if you're looking at like Calais Campbell Derek Wolfe Matt Judon and Jalen Ferguson as your four guys and in, in terms of a pass rushing situation I'm comfortable rushing those four guys um next year um and if the Ravens are comfortable with that look out. I mean, this defense in passing situations, if those four guys can be effective, um, you know, this defense, if like, if that number drops down to 30% and the Ravens have over 45 sacks, the Ravens will have the number one defense in the league, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that the Ravens might have the number one defense in the league next year. I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, well I, I, I do. I, I think that the <laughs> amount of talent that they have, I, I think that combined with it, an offense that can score points and putting other teams in difficult positions, maybe, I mean, maybe not total yards because there could be like garbage time yards, but in terms of scoring defense, I think they'll definitely be the number one defense. Um, so the other question I had, because I'm going to agree with you, I think it's still going to be over 40% in terms of the amount because wink is wink and he's going to want to blitz. And, you know, just because you have really talented guys up front doesn't mean if you bring an extra person, it, you're going to even be more effective, I, I guess is what I'm going to say. So, like, I think it will be devastating with what, what he can do with the amount of talent that's there. Um, who do you think will lead the Ravens and Sacks?
0: This is not going to be a popular answer, but I think it's going to be measured mm-hmm. on. Uh, you know, if, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm picking a guy that is going to draw – more attention next year. It's going to be Calais Campbell, um, which is going to continue to lead Judon to have isolated one-on-ones. And ideally, Wink is going to be smart enough to put him in the better situations in those senses. Um, I think Judon, when he is in double team, can win regularly. Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately that ends up making a pretty big difference.
1: I agree with you. Um, I think Judon would definitely be the favorite. Um, I think a dark horse candidate for it might be Tyus Bowser, um, which sounds strange, but he did have five sacks last year. Um, He did that in a pretty limited snap count. So a lot of it will depend on how many snaps he sees. In terms of what he can do on the field, he provides a lot more versatility, especially on passing downs than Jalen Ferguson does because he can blitz from off the ball and he can drop into coverage very effectively. So, if the Ravens and Wink like that kind of versatility, the ability to, you know, move backwards and forwards, maybe line up off the ball, depend a little bit more on your defensive linemen to kind of generate the, the hand in your dirt pass rush. I think Bowser could be a really potent uh, blitzer in this Ravens defense. Um, as a guy who comes through, you know, when they're doing stunts and twists up front, he's very athletic. He... Has you know a little bit of twitchiness to him. I think if he's utilized you know 600 snaps, you could see him lead, lead the team in, in sacks. Do
0: you really think? I think that's an interesting question about whether Bowser is going to get that many looks, though. Um, I, I don't think he's gonna out snap Jalen Ferguson. I think they'll have a similar I think number.
1: it'll depend on Ferguson's development because. Last year, we saw from Ferguson a player who really got better when it came to his run defense, and I think that's where the Ravens are going to look to him as being kind of a starting outside linebacker, um, as the guy who can set the edge definitely better than Bowser can. He's bigger, he's longer, he's stronger. But I was not impressed with his pass rush ability. Um, There's a couple of, of reps where he looked like he knew what he was doing, but mostly he just kind of didn't do much. Um, Bowser was much more efficient as a pass rusher, although he was used in a different kind of way. He was a lot off the ball a lot more. Um, he blitzed a lot more in terms of than just like kind of rushing off the edge. Um, and I don't know, maybe he won't be used in that, in that way. But I think if he is put in that position, I think he, he could be very effective. So that that's my dark horse. I still think it's going to be Judon and probably Campbell is kind of the number two. Guy, but
0: yeah. I, I think Campbell's a really good pick as an alternate there, but I think Ferguson is more the dark horse. The Ravens really seemed to like him um and gave him I think maybe potentially more snaps than I think he might have deserved last year, because they liked his upside and they liked something from what they saw in him. So I think, you know, to me that's the more interesting, you know, question of 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 who is gonna get those snaps. Um, because I think that ultimately is gonna be I think both of them are capable Of rushing the passer at least from where they stood at the end of last season pretty equally effective the question is is jalen ferguson going to take a really big step in front of him um i also think Derek wolf could be a really interesting dark horse when you look at it right he's he's going to be the forgotten man down there right like if you are going to stretch your line if the ravens you know and they showed this wide nine look sometimes um, last year, if they're going to show a wider look and, you know, you're going to have a middle linebacker or even a race car type situation, not race car, if Wolf's on the field, but a, a floating stand up radar inside or outside linebacker lined up over the center or in one of the A gaps next to Wolf. Um, you know, I think there's a real opportunity that he could get, you know, if, if he can stay healthy, knock on wood, um, you know, he had what, seven sacks yeah. last year. You know, it's not a huge stretch to say in this, you know, in this defense that it could be more than that. So
1: Yeah, I mean, Wolf definitely has that ability, I think. Um I, th- I think his synopsis might be a little bit more limited. Um, just because I think the Ravens will try and keep him healthy. And they do have a little bit of a of a rotation there now with with Matt especially. Um, but you can also, you know, use Ward, use McPhee a little bit there, use Ferguson. So they have a lot of guys that they can move inside on in passing situations and um, it's 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 a good you know luxury to have i think as opposed to to last year where they you really didn't have anybody to rush from the interior so it's good that, that, yeah, that's a huge sure. kind of change that, that the ravens are going to see i think in the defense is just that ability to generate a pass rush from, from the interior
0: well and even when they blitzed a lot and i think this is you know another interesting question that we can discuss you know even when they blitzed a lot the Ravens were still pretty effective once they got down to brass tacks in the red zone. Um, And, you know, to me, I'm curious whether they can repeat that red zone defense. I mean, if you think the Ravens are going to be the number one scoring defense, um, you know, in terms of points allowed next year, then you obviously think they're going to be pretty stout in the red zone. I have some concerns that they're not as big up front anymore. I think, part of why they were effective once they got down to the red zone is the Ravens were willing to put Pierce and Williams on the field together. You could clog up a little bit of the middle of the field um, when you needed to. And then you had these great, you know, you had these great guys that you could put on an Island from a corner perspective that the teams might not be willing to challenge. Um, You know, so, you know, if we were going to say the Ravens regular season, I believe red zone percentage was about 47% last year. You think it's going to be better than that this upcoming year?
1: I think it could be. Um, and but maybe maybe not the red zone percentage. It's hard to say. That's a little bit of a noisy stat too. I think. Um, but I think just it's going to be hard for teams to drive down the field against them. Like drive it the entire length of the field, um, just because they have so much talent up front and they have great depth in the secondary. They have talent throughout. And you know they they did get a little smaller um, up front. I know I put that in my article this past week. Just looking at the, they basically had five nose tackles and Chris Wormley as their defensive line last year, which is kind of laughable. Um, they'd be average like three hundred and thirty some pounds and like six foot one. It, it was just this type of, it's like this very wide squat body along the defensive line. They only have, well, they have two guys, I guess. Um, they still have Brandon Williams who fits that mold. I mean, I think you want to have at least one nose tackle. Um, and I think Williams will still play a significant role in the Ravens defense. Um, but then you have, you have Campbell, who is one of the best run defenders that in the NFL over the past decade. He's, he's, a, he doesn't have that. He's a different body type, but he's still a phenomenal run defender. He can take on double teams. He has length to just drive people back. Um, and he can penetrate. That's something that the Ravens haven't had so much from the defensive line. Um, you know, Wolf's solid. He's not great. Um, but then you have a guy like you have know, you have backups. You know you have like Ellis, who can, they can throw in there, or or uh, Dalon Mack. We'll see. I, I think one of those two will make the team. Probably not both. Um, so I, I think you do have some bodies that you can, and obviously bouquet too, and Roger Washington. We haven't even mentioned him, the fifth round pick. Who's he's more of a, a run defender, I think. Who's pretty. He's got some pass rushing too, um, but he's he's more of this like the long longer kind of defender. Um, not quite as stout, I guess, but he, he plays with good leverage, good technique. So it's just going to be hard for teams to run on them. I think I think they're going to be a better run defense team because they can use three defensive linemen and still generate a pass rush. So they won't have to, you know, be in these small packages where teams were able to gash them a little bit. So I think the run defense will improve because the defensive line is more talented, even though the bodies look different. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. You know, it it interests me about the red zone as well in the sense that, um, you know, what are the Ravens going to have to face, right? Like if you you get down in the red zone and you get to, you know, let's say first and eight and the other team has to score a touchdown. I think that also makes a difference ultimately too, where you've got four shots where you're going to try and pass the ball and get eight yards. And I think that, you know, when we're talking about statistically just a straight what is the Ravens red zone percentage of touchdowns versus, you know, attempts going to be, you know, there's an opportunity where that number is going to slide up a little bit. One, because I think the Ravens are going to be leading some of these games by a pretty significant margin. So you're not going to see all the top tier guys that are in the game um, in those moments. So I think that, that, that could play a part. um, In terms of how it works out and the teams in, in that sense might be rushing the ball a little bit less once they get down there and then then maybe the Ravens do adjust to that and worry about the run more, get bigger and and allow a few more passing touchdowns when it might not matter. Um, At the same time, you know, it could go completely the other direction where the Ravens just suck the, the clock out on every single game, reduce the number of red zone attempts, get a couple stops when they have to. And then we see that number get even lower just because, you know, the Ravens basically can run out half a quarter in one drive, which they absolutely can do. Um, so, uh, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see what the Ravens do down there. They were a good team in the red zone last year, no doubt, certainly compared to other years. So and, and, and that buried itself out in terms of the points allowed. Um, You know, the Ravens were top three, the two teams ahead of them in terms of points allowed played in the same division, which I think is, is, you know, you mentioned the Patriots interception rates, you know, and those things. I think some of that was just all around terrible offense stemming out of the AFC East last year. And I think we might see some more of that this upcoming year. So, you know, it makes it a little harder when you're trying to rank some of those things, but You know, I think that's another interesting thing to look at, too. Right. When you look at the Ravens rush, you were just talking a little bit about what the Ravens rush defense looked like. Um, And if you look at just the ranking of where the Ravens were last year, um, they were fifth overall in terms of rank, um, in terms of rushing yards allowed. Right. But or um, I think you told me you know, at the end of the day, that was directly a result of the fact that they were rushed on the least number of times last year. Yeah, that's right?
1: the, the, the number of rush attempts against was the lowest in the league. So you, even though and they had a low total rush in total allowed, the uh, y- yards per <laughs> attempt was actually pretty poor. It was, I think the worst in the Ravens history as a franchise. And it was, Four yeah. Points, and up. it was bottom third of the league. So, they got away with it because they opened up these big leads and teams didn't rush on them. So they didn't have, they didn't really get hurt by it until, you know, until the playoffs, we saw it really show up in a, in a big way that they, they had trouble stopping the run and and they were behind. So teams were able to run on them. The Titans were able to run on them because they, you know, they didn't have to pass to, to get back in the game.
0: And the over-under is way harder to measure when we're kind of talking about that. I think, you know, if we're going to compare it to last year, I think we both agree the Ravens are going to be better in terms of why rushing yards against like yards per carry. I think, you know, that almost begs the question though, that if you think the Ravens, you know, if not you in particular, but if somebody thinks the Ravens were extra terrible on run defense last year, where if you watch the games, that was the case. um, And it's something they can even be average at this upcoming year. So like, going from 4.7 YPA, which was 20th to let's say, like trying to move up to like, you know, even 14th or 15th, which might be a move of a 0. 0.2 or 0. 0.3. And they were the least rushed against yard yards, you know, total number of rushes, then, you know, you're over under for where the Ravens rush defense is really should be whether they're first or, or, or not. Yeah, right? I mean, that
1: makes sense. If you're assuming that they still have this similar kind of uh, big leads that they're playing with teams probably won't be running the ball on them, especially if their defense is actually improved. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense that they might lead the league and in, in rush defense in terms of total yards allowed. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. I, I think, yeah. yeah and,
0: that, I, and that's historically where we've seen the Ravens. I mean, usually it's not just top five in terms of rushing yards allowed, but it's also top five in terms of rushing yards per carry. Um, you know, historically, so you know, hopefully, you see the Ravens get back to that. I mean, you know, the Ravens have always been a team that cares about the trenches and kind of winning out those grinding moments on both sides of the ball. Um, so you know, I, I'm hoping we see some of that as we come back into this year. But I think I agree with you, we're going to see not only improvement to the average, but getting above average. Um, and I think that you know, when you're talking about being the number one overall defense and whatever. Setting you want to pick being number one in rushing is how the Ravens has been a huge part of how the Ravens have historically done that.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially I think in recent years the the past defense has been where the Ravens have lacked. You know, up until very recently, I'd say most of this past decade the past defense has been suspect throughout a lot of it, um, and that's really been a sea change in the past. You know, season or two, um, you know they brought over Eric Weddle a few years back, and he kind of had a very immediate impact and turning around the Ravens secondary. Um, and then obviously last year, Earl Thomas, Marcus Peters, uh, Marlon Humphrey is, has really come into his own. So, um, Tavon young. So it's just a, a really stacked group that they have in the back now, um, combine that now with the kind of rebrand from seven and you have, you know, have a defense that's going to be hard to move the ball against either pass or on the, or on the ground. So, you know, pick, pick your poison, I guess, opposing offenses.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, and when you look at the passing defense, you know, obviously in terms of yards per attempt and yards allowed on defense, things mirrored themselves to be much more true. The Ravens were fourth overall in yards total yards allowed passing, sixth overall in terms of yards per attempt against. Um, you know, you th- are, are, do you think they'll be better than that this upcoming year? Do you think they're going to be right around kind of that top tier but not separated?
1: I think it's probably going to be about the same. Um, I think last year one of the stats that they were, did really well in his the passer rating against. They were second in the NFL behind the Pats. I mean, the Patriots kind of just blew everyone out of the water last year with their past events. Um So the Ravens had, I think a, what would be considered a very good year um, for any team. And I don't see any reason why that should get worse. The only person that they lost is Brandon Carr in the secondary and they're getting Tavon Young back. So like, I, I see it as a unit that's probably going to be as good if not even a little better um assuming health so i mean you know it's the same unit playing together again so you have some improved cohesiveness it's always you know something that you want to see um yeah i I mean i I expect it to be very good in a similar kind of ranking that that we saw last year
0: yeah, you know what I think is interesting about some of these over unders, and you and I talked about this when we were trying to decide how we we're going to run this podcast. I I see this all as a cascading effect too. Like like every single one of these stats is going to impact the other other as they you know grow organically within themselves in a positive sense, right? Like if we see more sacks, the Ravens you know, obviously yards per attempt is going to, I think, drive down pretty significantly as a result of that. If we're getting effective pressure and, and whether that's with or without the blitz, you know, obviously we see better improved pass defense. If we see the blitz percentage continue to drop and the sack, num- sack numbers stay well, that's obviously going to improve. If you see the run defense get better and on first and second downs, you're putting teams at second and eight or third and eight or, you know, third and seven or third and six instead of, I feel like the Ravens last year often where it was looked mo- much more like second and three, third and four, third and two. Um, you know that's obviously anecdotal, mm-hmm. but my gut is that they were they were playing on much shorter down and distances. You know early run defense could play a, or early sacks, sacks on first and second downs on passing attempts. All that is going to cascade itself through this defense, right? And I think even though we're talking about pretty significant personnel changes overall. Um, you know, I don't see, and I think you, you obviously, I mean, you obviously have really high expectations for the defense. Um, you know, I don't see the baseline of, of how any of these things going to be, be what they'll build on for next year, being anything less than what we already started with last year. Um, and that's a great foundation, even for, you know, as we've talked about here, what we thought was a slightly above average, if that defense from the Ravens.
1: Yeah. I mean, hundred percent agree. Um, And last year's defense was kind of remarkable too, because they were really bad in the first like four games. And then, so if you look at the overall season stats, it's not really indicative of of the majority of the season where they were even better than the stats would suggest. Because a couple of teams, was it Browns and Chiefs, they both put up 500 total yards two weeks in a row. Um, And that's something that was, you know, not seen the rest of the year, like anything close to that. I think they averaged like around 300 yards per game, other teams allowed. I think less than that. It was probably like, I think it was like two fifty per game. Um, And I I honestly like looking at the players, it's, it's a significant upgrade. Like I I think the Ravens defense of talent got much better up front. Um, You know, the only major piece that they lost, I think is Michael Pierce. um, And he was really just a good run defender. Like he was a very good run defender, but he wasn't someone who was like a dynamic player that, that changed like the defense for them. I think Brandon Williams plays a very similar role and, and you can kind of combine their roles together and you can bring in other players now that are more dynamic in terms of their ability to rush the passer, which is honestly what, what you want from your defensive linemen. So it's, it's hard to see how they fall backwards outside of just weird external randomness, um, whether it's COVID-19 or, you know, not having a home advantage Injuries might happen because of lack of training. I don't know. All these things could happen and it could just not work out. But I think if you just look at the players that they have on paper, it's it's hard to see any like significant weaknesses.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, look, I, you know, we talked a little bit about this last week. I think the Ravens are primed to have a phenomenal year. I'm going to be really bummed if any part or any effect of, of kind of What's going on right now as it relates to COVID-19 affects the NFL season. Obviously, if issues are due, those are much bigger personally than anything that football has to do with that. But the Ravens have been building to this moment and building to having really the next two years. And and who knows what it looks like after that, because it's really hard to project a team three years from now in the NFL period. Um, But the window is wide open right now and potentially wide open for a few years after that. Um, But I I think you're right. I I mean, I'll be disappointed if the Ravens aren't top three in points allowed yards um, passing and yards rushing next year. Um, And I think that they'll be better than the third in at least two of those categories. Um, And I think if we see results like that with this offense, um, you know, I just, you know, the Chiefs are in. When we're talking about the bigger picture, the Chiefs are the champs right now. But they are not nearly as balanced as the Ravens. And passing is king, um, but balance can go a long, long way.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, all it takes is a when you're playing a team like the Chiefs and and the Ravens. I mean, they both have high-powered offenses. That's that's not um, into words here. Like, yeah, I think either one is capable of you know driving down the field and scoring a touchdown on any given drive. Uh, But when you have a defense like the Ravens, it makes it just a little bit harder to the opposing team to do that and I don't, I don't see the Chiefs having the same level of defense at any level at any part of the, I mean they have a couple of really good players on defense to, like I mean Tyron Matthews is really good Chris Jones is really good um you know Frank Clark maybe he's had flashes in the past of being really good so like they have some players I don't I don't want to say that they have like a, a bad defense necessarily I think they're probably above average but they're not at the same caliber um that the Ravens are And I think that's what's going to separate the Ravens next year. At least, at least I hope so.
0: Yeah, me too. Well, I'm going to throw one stat at you here before before we wrap this up. Um, I looked it up. So last year, Earl Thomas had 62 pass rushes. So I was a little high on the overall. So it wasn't 10. But he had 62. It wasn't 10 to
1: 12 per game.
0: No, it wasn't 10 to 12 per game. Well, I think I came down to eight. (laughs) But it was still less than that. But 60, 62, okay. It, he had 63 snaps at the defensive line, 264 snaps in the box, and 71 snaps at slot corner, right? Mm-hmm. So when we look at Ed Reed's equivalent age year, and I actually gave him a year younger um, because he missed five games in the 2009 se- season, um, excluding playoffs, Ed Reed had 11 rushing, pass rushing instances that season, not 62. Eleven, and in terms of where he took those snaps overall, Ed Reed had 110 snaps in the box, 29 at slot corner. So almost four times less total in terms of like being in the box or being in a position where he could rush the passer. So I think that it's a mischaracterization to say that D. P. S. used Ed Reed kind of in the same mold as what we see Wink Martindale using um, Earl Thomas in. Just in the in the broader was picture.
1: that a Madison? Is that his name? I, I don't even remember.
0: Oh, was that? I, I mean, I can I can go back and look at like I mean at, once you get into the older years. In 2011, he had 115 snaps in the box. In 2012, he had 133 snaps in the box. In 2010, he was injured in 2010. He had 32 yeah, snaps yeah. in the box. Um, so, I mean, just night and day in terms of yeah, usage. No, that,
1: that's that definitely is is pretty apparent and and Earl Thomas before the season, I would say he had probably similar numbers in the box, if not less, he was mostly probably playing, yeah. you know, center field in Seattle for the, uh, the majority of his career. So this was definitely a new kind of thing for him. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you're the one who yeah, they, writing the article yeah. about it. So I won't, I won't steal your thunder. I thought that he, he still, he was still very effective for the Ravens last year. Um, and I think, You know that versatility, the ability to come play in the box, that is something that is part of his his toolbox. So,
0: yeah. Well, if they cut his snaps in the box in half, I think you're going to see a huge year out of Earl Thomas. And I think if you and and there's a difference. I mean, he had, according to PFF, and I guess I don't know if they were tracking Ed Reed's years the same way, but Earl Thomas had defensive line snaps counts, not in the box, but defensive 62 defensive lion snaps I, I think that's 62 too many defensive line snaps. yeah i
1: thoughts. kind of agree with you i mean chuck clark i think if you look at his numbers he was probably there like 200 times like he was lined up like as an edge rusher like a lot he was there so much um so I, that's just part of what wink martindale likes to do like that's part of his creative genius i guess as a defensive coordinator he, he doesn't want to show you what you are expecting to see um and i, I don't i don't know like it's it's hard to yeah. really be too critical, at least in my opinion, just because we saw it work effectively. I think you're right that Earl Thomas's numbers in terms of like pass breakups, interceptions, et cetera, would be higher if he was used more as kind of the center fielder or as too high um, safety on a larger percentage of his snaps. Um, and I think his you know numbers probably suffered because he was put in a different role than what he had played in before but I still think he was effective in that role.
0: Yeah. I think he was effective too. I think, you know, we just don't have a, and another effective free safety out there that can play at the, at the same level as Thomas. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out next year. Um, if they don't need him there as much where that impact is. And look, I, I think, you know, bottom, bottom line on the defense as a whole, is there are a lot of questions and, and I think we should keep it that way. Honestly, Um, you know, something I've always, I've advocated, and I think we talked about this a little bit on the offensive podcast was that the Ravens should come out early in the season and just throw the ball a lot, like get used to throwing the ball a lot, get used to running, hurry up, get used to spreading people out. And then slowly over the year, edge back into running the ball. So by the time we get to January, they're tuned up and they've got everything ready to go, but they've installed these packages. They've got tape, they've got things that they've coached up and worked on on the other side of that. And I think the combination of that could be really effective. I think Wink should do the same thing. I mean, I we, we I said this with the packages, every drive should look different. Shouldn't have the same package really for any instance. And I think, you know, you're going to see teams continue to use the hurry up to try and take him out of that. And I think the versatility will be early in downs for Wink to commit to certain packages that he might not have, knowing the teams might might be bringing up that approach.
1: Yeah, and, and I think they're, the Ravens are better prepared Equipped, very prepared to kind of handle that this this year because you don't have two guys like like Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce. if you have them on the field together and you keep them in that package, you just pass the ball. Like that, that's what opposing teams should do. If you, if you have if you have two guys like that on the field, why you, you're not going to run? Just just pass it because they're not going to rush the passer. So now that um, you don't have that kind of big beef up the middle, the Ravens will have a little bit more ability to to dictate the other way, you know, you can say, okay, well, we can, we can still stop your run with, with our three defense alignment, but we can also get after you in the passing game. So it, it, it will allow, it'll allow yeah, the I, Ravens to be more flexible. I think.
0: That's a phenomenal point though. I, I, and now that you say that out loud, it, it's a manifestation of what you said earlier, which was that historically the Ravens have been really good at stopping the run and not as good at stopping the pass. And I think part of that was just the teams, you know, you saw the Patriots in their heyday there were games where I think they rushed it like less than 10 times and threw the ball 60, 70 times against them because that was just the best way to approach it. If you can have a package that is past defense oriented, but still be effective at stopping the run. um, That's a much better fit for today's NFL. Um, And it's interesting to see the Ravens finally make that adjustment. Um, And it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of what they do with those personnel groupings accordingly. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm really excited to see what the personnel groupings look like. I think it's going to be, it's kind of like one of those nerdy football things. Um, to See the different packages that are out there. See, you know, how they're employed. Um, you know, where the blitzes are coming from, where Earl Thomas is lined up. <laughs> so, I'm, not, I'm just excited to see how it all plays out.
0: I'll keep an Earl Thomas watch for everybody that agrees with me, which is, I think, not very many. Um, so, so hopefully, I can win some new people over um we'll keep that going through the season but thanks for joining us everybody i'm jordan co here with gabe ferguson um check us out at baltimoresportsandlife.com you can find me on twitter at at, uh, bsljordanco and gabe at, at gabe fergie um we look forward to hearing to you and talking about some more ravens as the year comes along